0: All right. Well hello, I'm back. Uh we are continuing our series titled Kingdom Culture. And it's an exciting to be here in front of you. And uh I just feel like over the last few weeks, uh our pastors and just really our team really across online locations have had several more reps and being able to to preach and to teach live. How many of you enjoyed some of that, right? Like just to be able to do this. Uh we love it. Uh, We're thankful that Pastor Rob uh, has given us the opportunity to be able to do so and just be able to uh, bring words that are timely uh, in our hearts to to our own locations. And so, again, we are in this series that we've uh, been enjoying. It's it's Kingdom Culture, and it's based off of this book by a pastor out from uh, from out east titled uh, 10 Qualities That Move You From Being a Believer to a Disciple. And this is Pastor Dennis Rouse, and it's a fantastic book. I've had the chance to now read it. I've gone through it. Uh, it has a lot of simple themes, but very, it's very profound. Like There's a lot for us to chew on, and I would encourage you, if you haven't gotten it, go get it. Uh, I think we have a few uh, limited copies available uh, at the Welcome Center. Otherwise, you can find them on Amazon or anywhere else books are sold. I sound like a, uh, uh, a commercial, but, uh, but really, it's a, it's a great book. And, and, and We started off with week one saying, what does it look like from a 30,000-foot view? What does it look like to be a committed follower of Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus is a, is a Bible term, if you will, and, and then we've gone over the last few weeks, everything from how do we love, how do we serve, and how many of you know my favorite week was a few weeks ago at the 830 service where my wife got to preach. Anyone was around for that? Like my wife, <laughs> Tasha, you brought it. You were, you were incredible. She brought just an amazing word and I was so proud of her, but she, she taught us on what it was like to be a servant a servant, of, a servant for, for God, to be a disciple who serves and to, who gives back and allows God to work through our lives and by, by being a part of something bigger than we are. And, and she did a phenomenal job. It was her first sermon that she got to preach uh, that was not just a, a room full of women. And so again, women are important, but, but again, it was, it's pretty significant. For her to be able to preach also in front of men. So I love you, baby. You did an amazing job. Thank you for uh, investing in our, into our church. And And here's the great part too, is that if you missed it, you can jump online. In fact, if you miss any of the weeks, you can jump online right now by jumping on, uh, whether it be on a church app or on going on the website and and ca- get caught up. Seriously, this series has been pretty profound And because that's our intention here at River Valley Church. Our intention at River Valley Church is not just to uh, groom a bunch of people who come and consume, but we want to groom people who go and then, take the message of Jesus Christ outside of these four walls because that's what it's all about because if we just come and consume all of a sudden this becomes a silo and it's just about us and it's not about the the people that Jesus came to die for because how many of us know that there have been some of us if you're like me I was a sinner, I'm still a sinner, and I needed the hope of Jesus Christ to come into my life, and that happened because people were obedient to say, you know what, I'm going to be true and faithful to this message, and I'm going to take it forward, because I am a disciple, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to take it out, and that's what this series is about, because right now, let's be honest, we live in a world that's full of information. There's a lot of information, and today what we're going to be talking about is not just about receiving information, but it's understanding that to be a disciple of Jesus, we have to fully accept the authority of the word of God. Like, if we're going to be all that God has called us to, if you're going to be all that God has called you to be, if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be together collectively, both here local and around the world, we have to understand that God's word is not optional, but God's word is essential to our lives. It's critical. Like, we don't get the choice to say, "Okay, that's a good thing. That's not a good thing. No, all of it has to be able to mean something in our lives. Otherwise, we're just coming here and we're just we're just doing the thing. But I really believe that there are people I refuse to believe that there are people here that don't want that, but rather, I believe that there are people here say, "Hey, you know what, I want that. I don't want to live a normal life, because, like I said, we live in a world right now that's called the Information Age. right? And everyone ever been on a website like Google? Anyone here of a website like Facebook, Instagram or anything like that? Maybe just me) But seriously, it's out there. Like, we're, like, there's so much information. It's the internet. It's the digital age. It's audiobooks. I mean, I'm a student of, of, of just learning. I love to learn. I mean, audiobooks are one of my favorite things. I think it drives my wife nuts because I listen to my stuff at two speed. She's like, how do, you, how do you even do that? Like, what sane person listens to something at two speed? She's like, it gives me anxiety thinking about that. But I, I mean, but the point of what I'm trying to say is that I love to learn. But let me tell you that, Those things that I'm learning may help me, but it's not going to edify me. And what we're going to talk about today is that the Bible, unlike these things that we've mentioned, the Bible holds truth. It holds water and it means nothing to us unless we allow the word of God and its authority to work in our hearts and in our minds. So we got to know to grow. We got to know that the God, the word of God does something in our, inside of us to be able to grow and set us free. Now today is not necessarily to give you all like the historical evidence of why the Bible is true. If you wanted some of that, I would encourage you to be a part of Alpha. Alpha is an incredible 10 week course that we do every single year, a couple times a year. Uh, and the next one's coming up here in the fall, in September, I would encourage you to jump on that. It is not just for people who are new believers, but it's people who say, you know what, I want to be able to know why I believe what I believe. Does that make sense? sometimes it's just like, it's, it's like growing up and be like, well, I just believe it. Well, you know, people out there are like, well, give me something more. And I would encourage you if you've never been a part of Alpha, be a part of it. anyone ever done Alpha before here at River Valley Church, raise your hands up high. Okay. Everyone who didn't raise their hands, will see it in September. So It's going to be good, but I want to start off right now by reading uh, a couple scripture verses that are really going to outline what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to start with John chapter eight, starting with verse 31. It says this, and this is Jesus speaking. It says, if you hold my teachings, then you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So here's to telling: hey, if you know my teachings, then you are my disciples. And these, these truths will set us free. Hebrews chapter four, it says, for the word of God is living and powerful. I love that. Living and powerful. And is sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even the divisions of the soul and the spirit and the joints of the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Because how many of us know sometimes our hearts need to be addressed on some things that don't need to be there. Amen. And that has to happen in our lives. And so believers, you know, here's what begins to happen in this book, kind of later this out. Dennis said, believers, I'm going to read this. Believers attend church. They read their Bibles occasionally and, and they'll pray. They'll go to Bible studies and they'll, they'll go to concerts and they'll appear devoted until God's commands conflict with their goals or our goals of happiness and prosperity. So that's at the moment. Say, so, hey, Pastor Jesus, I loved all the rest of it. I love the music. That thing was great. But, but the thing that you said about that contradicted the, my desires, Nah, no, thank you. That's not what I want. But let me tell you this. We don't get to choose that. That was never left out open for us because the word of God is powerful and it is living. And if we don't allow the authority to be able to do things in our lives, then we're just doing. We're we're just looking the part, and that that's not what God wants us to do. And so at times we, ex- uh, so so what happens is that at times we don't expect God to contradict us or to make us uncomfortable or to challenge our goals and our plans. But disciples, this is what Dennis says: disciples see the truth in His word as sovereign. That means all knowing. Even when it goes against plan, ultimately we begin to expect that to happen. That makes sense. Like ultimately, like as disciples of Jesus Christ, we expect that to happen. Like if you're like me, I've read my word where at times like, man, I wanted to do this thing, but then reading it and the, and the Holy Spirit speaking to me, I was like, oh wait a second, things got to change. I got to look at things differently. And that's what happens being a disciple of Jesus. And that's okay. And that's a perfectly thing, to, a perfect place to be in. See, God's truth is not optional because we cannot grow without it. See, we can grow to become a good person, right? Like I've been around like uh, now being a pastor for, for, for several years and being a part of this. I've been about around the ministry for more, way longer than that. But I, I, I've met people who are friends in my life who are unsaved. And, and they said, Zeus, you know, I'm a good person. You know, I do this, I give back, I, I you know, I I gave back to charity, I gave back to relief or whatever it is and, and all these things. I'm a good person. Uh, but let me tell you this. God did not come to make us good. He came to make us holy. And that's what it is because good, let me tell you this. Good relies on culture and was popular. Holiness does not change. Good. Like holiness remains, holiness stands on solid ground, and that's the thing that sets us all free. Because if we lean on only just being good, that means we're just defined by the by the by by by, by trend or, or culture or whatever it may be. But yet holiness is a thing that sets us apart. And, and that's what it is. So Again, maybe you find yourself in this place today and you're asking questions like this. Let me tell you this. And it's okay to ask questions like this. Do I believe that the Bible is a true word of God? How do I respond when my plans don't line up with his word? Do I believe that his word will lead me to a richer, deeper, and more fulfilling life? Let me tell you this. These... These questions are good to ask. In fact, we would not I don't know that we'd be a, great, a good church unless we had these questions being asked because that means we would just have people here who've all figured out, but yet we're a church that says, you know what, our focus is not just about the people who are here, but those who are people who are yet, not yet here and being able to welcome them into our community, to be able to welcome them in our circle and take them on a journey to say, hey, let me help you discover how the word of God still works in our lives, still changes things, how the Holy Spirit still moves us and then take them on a journey so then they can repeat and become disciples and do that same thing for some other people. See, these questions, they're great. They're, they, we don't grow without tensions. This is, this is fertile and great for spiritual growth. And I love that this church is filled with a lot of people who say, you know what? Pastor Zeus, there have been moments where I came here where I doubted some things where I didn't like some of the things that I heard, but the moment where I got myself to be in a place where I was under authority and I understood the word of God and I understood what it was like to understand and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak to me, that's when things began to change in my life. And I'm praying, I'm hoping that that's the case for all of us. Because I believe that God can do it for me, he can do it for you. Like he can, like, I'm telling you, I, I was just talking to a a young lady in between service. Jerk and I were talking to her and and she was saying how, like, you know, like I was so nervous coming to church because I didn't, I didn't think I belonged here because of the things, the things that I've done and the things that I did. And and here's a great thing. Jesus love covers all that. But let me tell you that. Where does the truth of that come from? It comes from the word of God that is right here in this desk. And so that's what we want for our people. But we want people to also understand that God can set us free. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. But here's what we don't want. We don't want people just seeking validations for their bad behavior. Does that make sense? Like you ever been around that person who, who only hangs around people that only validates their bad behavior, right? Like, man, I, I like that person because they kind of either A, they're worse than I'm off. And so like, I like being there because then I seem a little bit better. Or two, I like them because they validate some of the behavior that, that I do. And yet here's the reality is this, is that we're not here to do that, but rather we're here to help, it's to sharpen each other. Iron sharpens iron, and that's what we're gonna do at this church. But let me this. If you've asked these questions, as I said, it's okay. And I hear this quote, and I read it from this book, and it says, belief comes before understanding, and trust precedes illumination. Think about that. Belief comes from understanding, but trust precedes illumination. That means there are moments and times in your journey, in your faith walk, there are gonna be things that are gonna be presented to you. And you're gonna say, I don't know how this makes sense. But again, it says, "Belief precedes understanding. Sometimes you just, you just gotta believe and allow that to unfold. And God will bring it all together and trust precedes illumination because this is how the disciples lived in early Bible times. This is how the followers of really of God throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. This is how they lived. They they relied not just on what was happening within their culture, but they relied that there was a true authority and something that needed to keep them straight. Something that kept them aiming for whatever the true north was. So whenever they lost their way, they were able to find their way back. And the word of God did that for people. See, in Bible times, all they had at the time, they didn't really have, they didn't have a, a written Bible like this. They had scrolls, they had uh, uh, verbal accounts, they had uh, a different uh, translations, not sort of translations, but uh, copies and, 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 and transcriptions that were writ- written at the time. But a lot of it, they had to rely in those moments when they received it for something more, because that's what our, that's what our lives aim for. Like all of us, we're we're created in the image of God and there's always something inside of us that desires for something more. And we believe and we see that when we allow the word of God to do things into our lives because it speaks to that desire and that heart inside of us. You know, the, I'm I'm seeing this all around me. Like I don't know about you, but like I'm seeing this, especially among the emerging culture and the generation, because they so desperately want to make a difference in the world. Like I, I, I really believe, like if we if we if we cultivate and we protect and and we honor what God is trying to do through the next generation, that next generation is gonna is going to do amazing things because this generation are fixated with wanting to make a difference with wanting to make a change because they know that they want to live for something much bigger than they are. And we're not going to be able to do that if we, if we stop them, but rather as believers and as disciples of Jesus Christ, if we get them to a place to say, Hey, uh, let me tell you about something other bigger and allow that energy to be used with God's energy, they're going to change the world. So our natural minds don't have a gear inside us that, that does not allow us to just live for ourselves. But there's something inside of us that gives us curious to the things that are above. I'm going to read to you in first Thessalonians chapter two, where it says, Paul says that we also thank God continuously because we, when you receive the word, when you receive the word, when I received the word, when all of us received the word, uh, which you have heard from us, you accepted it. Not as human word, but uh, as it is actually the word of God, which indeed is at work in, in you who believe. So again, it's not just a person. It's not just the words of Paul, but it's the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. It is the Holy Spirit speaking through Jesus. It is, it is God using all of us to be able to, even right now, to presently write you know, modern day gospels where we're telling the, the, the reality of what Jesus has done in our lives. See, God applied to their desire of more and their sense of justice. Injustice, even in that society of corruption and chaos. But the word of God did not stop there. It gave them not just an explanation, but a manual to live by. Anyone ever been to IKEA? Now, right Ra- now, Ra- 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 anyone ever buy anything from Ikea, like a piece of furniture, right? That was your first mistake uh, because <laughs> how many of us know that stuff doesn't last? But if you're like me, I- I- we bought Ikea furniture and-, and it just comes in different pieces. And sometimes you can't even read the manual. I like, what is this even trying to tell me? Like there's this funny like stick figure and what is he holding? Whatever. The point is this, is uh, a manual matters though. Because you could try to put that piece of furniture together and you can maybe look good. But if you miss a step or you miss something along the way, when you finally put weight on that chair and that chair will do what? It'll collapse. And that's the same thing about the Bible is you can't ignore pieces of it. Like as if you ignore the screw or if you ignore the tightening this and stuff, when the weight of the world finally rests on you, what are you going to do? You will collapse. And that's why the manual... Or the Bible is important to live by. Second Timothy chapter 4, it says this, Proclaim the word of God and stand upon it no matter what rise to the occasion and preach it when it's convenient and even when it's not. Preach it in full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond. This is talking about other people. The time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth because they will become selfish and proud. And they will seek out of the teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires saying that they uh, saying just what they want to hear. They will close their ears to truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. And this is what I, um, I've loved some of the greatest compliments that we can get as a pastor at this church is when people tell us like, Hey, we're, 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 we're thankful that, that you bring about the tough issues. We're thankful that our, our, our church talks about sometimes the things that are diffi- uh, difficult, cause that's our, that's our commitment to you. I don't think we'd be a great, great church. Certainly, we wouldn't be great pastors if we only reserved areas that only appeased us, right? But rather to say, you know what? We're going to give you the fullness because we believe in the fullness of not missing a screw, of not tightening this. We have run the risk of building something that is fickle and that is not good. Amen? And so that's what we do. So listening means more than just hearing. But it includes responding in obedience. And obedience matters. Um, John Bevere, anyone ever heard of John Bevere? He's a great, great pastor, speaker, one of my favorite speakers, was very instrumental in my faith journey early on. But uh, John Bevere, he says a quote in one of his books it says, Faith and obedience are inseparable because obedience is the evidence of true faith. Obedience matters. Obedience matters. And it matters in our lives and it matters in your lives. You know, I think of the story of Abraham. Anyone familiar with the story of Abraham in the Old Testament? Abraham, uh, for a long time, had prayed for a son. And finally God uh, granted him and gave him a son. And, and then all of a sudden it, it just feels like he turn, does a 180 and God says, okay, now I want to take away your son. So take, bring up your son and bring him to the mountaintop where I'm going to take your son. And in that particular moment, Abraham's like, oh, God, I prayed for this. Like I finally got what I wanted and now you, you want me to give you back my son. But yet Abraham in his moment did not wait and did not, did not, did not falter. But he says, you know what? If God, if this is what you call me to, I will do this. Well, ultimately God provides. But here was what was important. God was less, less concerned about his sacrifice. And he was more concerned with his obedience. Right? Because sometimes sacrifice comes out of a bad place. Oh, okay. I'm going to go do the church. I'm going to sacrifice my Sunday morning and I'm going to go to be your church. Oh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice my, my, this, my, my, my finances. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give to this. But let me tell you this. As a parent, I love it when my children come from a posture of saying, God, or, or God, uh, dad, I want to be obedient to you because I know that the best that you have for me. And I want to be obedient, not because they reluctantly want to do it, but because they passionately want to do it because they love me or they love my wife, Tasha. And that is the same thing for us. God says, I don't just merely want your sacrifice. Although sacrifice and obedience coupled together is an incredible thing. But sacrifice without obedience means I'm just giving it because I, I have to do this. It's good. And yet a disciple says, no, I do it because I understand what you want to do in my life. Amen. You know, for me, I've seen the struggles with some of the questions that we asked above. You know, for me, I, I mean, I think about this. It's in 2007 that I really came to know Jesus Christ. And it's been one of the wildest and craziest journeys of my life. But when my, when my faith was tested, I thought about this particular scripture verse that I'm about to read to you. It's a really great one. Some of you have maybe heard it before, but it's Matthew chapter seven. It says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follow it, follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes and torrents and the flood floodwaters, floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it So there's another part. And doesn't obey is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And that was my story. When I came to Jesus, it's just like, God, I'm I'm, I'm in. I'm going to build this on the rock. I'm not going to build this on sand because sand shifts. It changes over time. But rocks, I mean, they're hard. They're solid. And that's what I'm going to do. And that was my commitment because... for me to be able to stand upon that and to stand upon the, word, the authority of the word of God, it's helped me a lot. Yes, it's helped me in growing in my faith journey to become a disciple of Jesus, but it's also helped me as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. You know, one of the greatest things that we get to talk about, you know, Tosh and I, we're, we're mentoring a couple right now, uh, a fantastic couple. They're getting married here in just under a month. And, and some of the things that we've said, hey, the, the one thing that has kept us solid and true and remained true is that our ultimate authority is not how we feel, the things that we do or, the, or our impulses and times, but that we are people who are are defined by the authority of the word of God to say, you know, we're going to, that is going to be our, that is going to be our true north. That is going to be the ruler in which we measure ourselves from. It's not going to be, well, we're better off than that person or we got this better than it's not going to be that, but it's just going to say, because we are people that are convicted by the word of God. And so it's helped me as a father, as a pastor. It's helped me my emotions. Hey, I'm Mexican. I got, a, I got a little bit of a flare in me. I got a fuse. You know what I'm saying? Like, that happens. Like, in high school, I was the one that my parents would get a call from. Hey, your boy Jesus, yeah, he was in another fight. I was that guy. But yet God, through his word and his authority and the way that he has set me free and the way I've allowed his word has, has tempered my anger problem. And the things that I did, because I had a temper and God yet did this because not only was I living by emotions, but this is true about the world here that we live in. Our world is constantly lived by their emotions, by their feelings. Well, you know what? I don't feel that anymore. I don't love him anymore. I don't love her anymore. I don't like doing that anymore. I don't feel that anymore. But let me tell you what, when you give your word, hey, Mark Princey says this very well. Hey, if you give your word, you give your word. And let me tell you what, God has given us his word and we got to receive his word. And so that's what it's about here. It's like our emotions, that all happens of worldly reasoning or popularity or impulses or whatever. But yet when we lean on the word of God, when we leave everything that he wants to teach us and wants to do in our lives, things begin to change. And so that's what happens. The word of God tells me that it's true. Yeah, that it's true. I'm sinned and I've messed up. But it also tells me the other truth, that Jesus died for me. And it tells me that following Jesus is one of the greatest adventures that I could ever be in. It is the greatest adventure that you could ever be in. And as I read the Bible, it makes sense to me that the unchangeable truth in today's world would not only apply 2,000 years ago, but it applies today. And I've seen it happen how God uses his authority and his word uses it to change people's lives. I've seen people uh, find hope in, 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 in reading their Bible. I've seen people who have found purpose in reading their Bible. I've seen people who have been sick, healed because of the truths and the promises that are in the Bible. All these things because the word of God is the lens between in which I, we, should be able to look at everyday in single situations. And so the word of God is not just for me, but it's for all of us. It is for the person who who has been following Jesus for a long time. It is for the person who has been following Jesus maybe for the first time or maybe for the one who hasn't yet to follow. And yet that can do something different in our lives. That can change. it sharper than a two-edged sword. You know, we have a thing here at River Valley Church that's called SOAP. It's an acronym, Scripture Observation Application Prayer. On the way out today, you're going to have this opportunity to, to, to take this, but there are resources that are out there. Our church provides resources like this. I have a friend of mine, Zach, who's the same age as me. He's got a wonderful uh, thing that he wrote. He's put a lot of heart and devotion. He's called it the Bible study because sometimes if you were like me, it's like, how do I even make sense of this? Like right now in our SOAP reading plan, we're really through Revelation. And if you don't know, if you don't understand context of Revelation, Revelation, you're going to be lost, but here's the thing. But if you know, and you understand context and you see resources like the Bible study, or you get into your, uh, your soap reading plan and you apply it to your life, things will begin to change, but you have to invest yourself in it. It doesn't just happen. You have to throw yourself into this process, you know, cause we're constantly growing first Corinthians. It says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child and I understood as a child and I thought as a child, but when I became a man and a woman, I put away childish things. So we're never stopped growing. God calls us to grow and I believe in this scripture verse. He sees us, hey, you're going to continue to grow. And I'm not saying that these powerful emotions, well they go away. Does that, does, that not mean, does that mean that I'm no longer going to be angry? Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to be angry, but now i want to learn how to take that anger and use it in ways that are constructive, to be angry against injustice, to allow that anger to feed my passion, to be able to do something. But that has happened because I've resorted to believing in the word of God. Amen. And so that's what it is. This is the kingdom culture, to be able to receive this and to grab this. And I get it, there are struggles with authority. Anyone ever seen The Lion King? It's a popular movie right now. First time I'm hearing about it, and no, I'm just kidding. I grew up on The Lion King. It was great, but you know, just re released, and uh, I went to go see it, and I was reminded of something that was significant because this isn't true for any one of us. But you remember, the, if you've seen the movie, you remember there's a moment where Mufasa, the dad, brings up Simba, the young cub, who's the heir apparent to the throne, and he brings him up to the top of the rock, and he says, Hey, you see all this? This is yours. This is this is this is our land. This is for us to steward. But you see that little piece over there? Don't go over there. Sound familiar a little bit? Garden of Eden, right? But here's what happens: is God? Sometimes we see God as a, as the word of God as a chain. But what we really need to be doing is we need to see it as a freedom. Does that make sense? In other words, to say, hey, look, okay, sure, you, there might, there's some things you can do, but let me tell you this. Live in the freedom of everything else that you can do and live in that and find the beauty of being able to steward all that, all that God has given you. And so that's what really matters, and that's why it's, this is powerful and a great thing. The Bible actually gives us freedoms, and these guidelines are not designed to restrict us, but to rather to set us free and to allow joy in our lives. The Bible is the authority for which we believe, how we act, what is right from wrong, how to bring up children, how to care for the widows, for the orphans, etc., whatever it may be. But also the Bible is the authority the authority of the Bible is also a weapon in our lives. Think of the story of Jesus. When he went out to the when he went out to the, the desert to be tempted for 40 days, he fought back the devil through knowing scripture. Let me take it a step further. This is something good. Molly told me this, help me realize this. She's like, yeah, but also understand what Jesus also had, had to know scripture because the devil tempted him by turning scripture against him. So it's not merely enough just understanding or seeing scripture, but, or, or, or seeing scripture, but it's understanding what it means. So when the devil tries to throw it against you, you know how to fight back, but also the Bible also brings about hope. It brings about hope. It doesn't return void as it says in Isaiah chapter 55. And that's what I love about this. And I've said it. I've seen how God has worked and brought hope in people's lives as they given themselves over to the word. So as we begin to close here, are you going to make a shift? And you will have to decide if you will use the word of God as your lens for viewing every person, every position, possession, position and and pursuit of your life. I was talking to my friend Matthew this past week and Matthew's, uh, fighting, fighting the fight right now. And, uh, we're believing for your healing, Matt, you know, that you're going to overcome cancer. But I, but I asked him this question. It was a really real question because I've, I've never been in these circumstances. And I said, Matt, this is the second time you're doing this now. Do you still believe in the authority of the word of God? Like, I just wanted an, an honest answer. Like, do you believe that God can still do this? And, and this is, what this is I mean, he sent me a lot, but this is one, one thing that he sent me that really spoke to me. It says, Jesus spoke to things and things changed because he knew his authority. And as our heart and our spirit begin to grow and mature, we begin to become more confident in his authority and his word. Here's the best part. Matt is now understand this, that not only is the, does the word of God carry authority, but the authority has also been imparted to him. Yeah. Right. It is on you as well. If you allow yourself, if you give yourself that authority where you can speak to that mountain and move, it'll move, it'll move. Yes. Come on. And that's what you got to believe. And that's what I love is, you know, uh, heaven and earth may pass away as it says in Mark, but my words will by no means pass away. That means it is true. It is there. And so I don't know about you, as I live my life, I have no desire to be mediocre. And maybe, maybe I'm different. Come on. But I know that other people in this place are not like that. And, I, and, and maybe you don't believe this. And maybe you don't see this to be true, but I'm willing to believe that about you. And I'm willing to call that out of you, but you have to want it. you got to be able to take the reins and say, you know what, God? If your word says it to be true, if these, if these words, if these pages mean something, God, I know that it can mean something for me, but I can't do that for you. I could come up here and I could try to present it as uh, applicable and as eloquent or whatever it may be, or as even as passionate, but I want you to be passionate about this. To get to a place where he's like, I want to see my potential be realized in fullness of Jesus Christ. I want the adventure of being a follower of Jesus Christ to take me to places that I never knew I could go. But, But through his word, through following his authority, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, the inspired word of God. I know it can take me places. And I know none of this can happen unless we trust the word of God. And so let me ask you this. Does the truth of the Bible, does it bore you? Does it thrill you? Maybe it's boring you because you're just seeing this as a transaction. If I do this, I'd get this. But what you should be seeing it as transformation. But it has to be through obedience. I have two, my wife and I, Tasha, we have two beautiful little girls, Eden and Rhea. I love them. They're four and two, and they're at the age now where they're really starting to push the envelope a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Here's the thing. The greatest gift my daughters could ever give me is not something of monetary gain. It's not something of worldly possession. But it is a gift of obedience. It is the gift to say, Dad, at my, uh, by four years of age, maybe I don't fully understand why you're asking me not to do that. But God, I'm gonna, tr- or Dad, I'm gonna trust you. And I'm gonna believe that you have the best laid out for me. And that's how it is for God. Sometimes we don't understand why he, he asked us to do things that maybe make no sense. But yet, as we grow in our relationship, we look back in hindsight and say, God, I see what you were doing there after all. And yet, that's the greatest gift that we can give him is the gift of obedience. So don't delay it. Delayed obedience is disobedience. But jump into it. He wants to take you on a journey. He wants to take you on a ride. He wants to set you free. He wants to use you to set other people free. So it's up to you. You got to choose to let the word of God be powerful in your life. Because that is what a parent or a disciple really does. That's what a disciple does. We believe in the authority over the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, that you speak to us. God, you still move us and you... You desire for us to, to grow in our relationship and not just stand pat, but rather, God, regardless of where we're at, Lord, and maybe we've seen things realized in our life and we're living a comfortable, cush life. But yet, God, you didn't just call us to comfort. You called us to a thrill. Yeah. You called us to an adventure. You called us to a life of obedience, of resting in your authority and allowing that accountability in our life to do work in our, in our lives. And we got to know to grow. And so, God, let us know today that your word remains true. That it's it's alive and powerful to this very day. And so, God, today, this is a challenge for all of us. God, as we end this month, God, let us end it with just getting into our word again, reading our two chapters of our soap reading plan, but this time maybe seeing it differently, saying, God, I want to grow, and I know that your word is true. I know that your word is true. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, and everyone said, amen.